Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cachalolo, and I would also like to thank my executive producer, Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor, Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me, binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, and author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you're interested in contributing to this podcast, go to Everything Imaginable 2020 and you can go to the contributors page and check it out. Uh, it doesn't require any money. A lot of times you just uh, share a couple episodes on your Facebook page and that would be good. And now, without further ado, we have Mika Dank. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, uh... I know that you've written a, a series of books. I have, yes. And um, I guess, it is, is it fiction? It's fiction, right? Well, it's truth and fiction, kind of like how 1984 was or A Brave New World. Oh, okay. Um, you're, in this series, it's called what, Down the Rabbit Hole or something like Down that? Down the Rabbit Hole. Great. Um, so I know you have a looks like you have a kind of a presentation. Uh, so go for it. And uh, hold on one second. I'm gonna hit record on my screen here. Uh, please ask host. So you have to give me uh, permission to record the screen. It looks like. Does it? Hold on. Because I made you the host. Mm -hmm. Here we go. All right, and we're on. Perfect. Okay, so. If I were to ask you what the oldest writings are on Earth, what would you say they are? Sumerian. Right. Everybody would say something like that. However, <clears throat> you have the Lascaux Caves, which are 40,000 years old. And what these caves were, where there were these caves in France that they discovered. And what they did was they went into them, deep into the caves, and then they saw things like this uh at the back walls you see the bull here you see the lion you see the horse right. or in astrology it's bull is taurus the lion is leo and the horse is sagittarius minus the guy with the bow and the arrow so what they did was they carbon dated this wall and it came out to about forty thousand years plus or minus five thousand years and then what they ended up doing was they called in an astronomer who came in with a computer uh, and because we have the technology to do this now, what they did was they rewound the sky back 40,000 years and printed out what they found from where they were located. And they superimposed it on this. And what they found was the constellations all matched up to the animals that they were. So 40,000 years ago, we had a working knowledge of the Zodiac. Right. Okay. Um, there are questions that you can ask in the Bible that are all astrology based. 
Some of them are how Jesus was able to heal the blind, how he walked on water, how he turned water into wine, why he had 12 disciples, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, why he was dead for three days, and why his birthday's on December 25th. All that is astrology and nothing more, nothing less. Um, if you go to Genesis 1.14, it says, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and the years. And that's basically what astrology was. It was a giant farmer's almanac. It was a calendar that told you when you had to plow, when you had to plant, when you had to harvest, when you had when winter was coming, when the night was coming. That's what it did. And um, that's basically what the Bible is. It's an encoded book that has this information. Okay, so... How do you know is astrology and not numerology? Because a lot of it was written in Aramaic and Hebrew originally, especially the Old Testament, and each character was assigned usually a numerical value as well. Right. Well, I don't get into numerology too much, um, if at all. I just kind of talk about the astrology aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But there is, there is numerology to it, too. But the thing about numerology is, is that numerology tends to be a lot more interpretive, whereas the astrology part just is much easier to comprehend and grasp. Okay. Well, I can definitely get the 12 disciples part of it. I don't know if I necessarily get to December 25th. Right. So what I have to do is I'm going to go through the 12 signs so you know what to look for in the Bible. Okay. Okay. So the first sign, that, the first sign of the Zodiac is Aries, but I start with Aquarius. Aquarius is the first sign, uh, which is represented by the man with the water pitcher. Pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water. Aries is the ram. And in Aries, like we are right now, you have March 21st, which was yesterday, which is the spring equinox. Right. 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also the Passover in the Jewish religion or the passing over of the sun over the equator in astrotheology and back on its way up to its height in the summer solstice. In Christianity, the passing over is changed and called the resurrection of God's son. It's not S-O-N, it's S-U-N. That's why the Jews smear the lamb's blood on the door in Exodus mm -hmm. to uh, save them from God's wrath of killing the firstborn children, because they're the people of Aries. The Jews are the people of Aries, whereas we're the people of uh, Aquarius. The Jews are the people of Aries. And um, it's why the Jews have the lamb bone Passover plate. It's also why they blow the ram's horn to the sky during the holidays, during the high holy days, it's because they're the people of Aries. They're signifying to the ram. Now, Taurus is the bull. And when you look at the sky and see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you know that on earth you need to put the plow on the bull so that you can plant the seeds so that you can harvest in Virgo and Libra. So it's as above, so below. Then you have Gemini, which is the twins. That's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles that everybody's familiar with. Then Cancer is the crab. It's the sideways moving creature. So what the sun does is it rises a degree on its axis every single day along the zodiac wheel until it hits the summer solstice where it's at its height. It's the longest day of the year, the shortest night. And then for three consecutive days, it stays at that height. And then on the fourth day, December 25th, it drops a degree will continue to drop a degree every single day on a tide of its axis until it hits December 21st. 
Okay. Uh-huh. And then for three consecutive days, it stays at that low height. Mm-hmm. The sun was considered dead. And because it stayed there for three days, that's why God's sun was considered dead for three days. And then it comes back to life. It rises a degree again on December 25th. So that's why that day is celebrated by all the ancients, including Christianity. Um, it's because December 25th, the sun rises a degree on its axis and starts the count again. And Leo is the king. He's the lion. He's the king of the jungle. So the ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. And that's why when they talk about um, Jesus or the kingdom of heaven being near, they're talking about the sun in Leo. Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So remember when you said that you plant in Taurus? Well, the virgins would basically cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make the bread for the year because the wheat had finally grown. You plant it in Taurus and then the wheat grows in Virgo. And when you see the woman with the wheat stalk in the sky, that's how you know that you need to collect the wheat. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. And the Jews always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. And Libra is also known as the wine season. So when you plant the grapes in Taurus, you get to press the wine in Libra. So you have Virgo, the bread, and you have Libra, the wine. You have the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. Those are the symbols of Christianity. Then you have Scorpio, who is the scorpion, and he's known as the betrayer. And that's because when a scorpion would bite you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. It's where the mafia gets the kiss of death from. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss, is because Judas represents Scorpio. He didn't throw a rock at him. He didn't point him out in a crowd. He gave him a kiss. And that's why. It's because he's Scorpio. It's the metaphor for Scorpio. So the sun is judged in Libra. And it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. In the Bible, it's translated as a spear going into the side of God's sun. This is where the sun dies. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned that's December 21st. That's where the sun dies. And then it's dead for three days. And then it rises on December 25th. Then Capricorn is the goat because the zodiac wheel starts at the bottom in Capricorn. And like the sun starts climbing a degree a day along the zodiac wheel, uh, just as the goat likes to start to climb the mountain. So it's a metaphor for that too. So basically these are the, um, these are the 12 signs. Do you have any questions? Have you heard this before? I have not heard this before. It's pretty interesting. Thank you. Um, So basically there are some names for Jesus which match up astrotheologically that you might not have thought about before. Capricorn is a sign of the goat. He, when the sun is in Capricorn, he's called the scapegoat of Israel. When the sun is in Aquarius, he's known as the son of man. When the sun is in Pisces, he's known as the fisherman of men, which is Pisces, the two fish. Right. It's also why he feeds the masses with two fish. <laughs> he's the lamb of God in Aries. Mm-hmm. He's the line of Judah in Leo. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, that's Virgo. He's born of a virgin and he's called the bread of life. In Libra, you have the scales of justice. He's known as the just one. And then he's betrayed in Scorpio. He dies in Sagittarius. And it's also why he's worshipped on the sun day. Interesting. Because Jesus is a metaphor for the sun. He's not a real person. Okay. This is all encoded astrology. 
Awesome. That's brilliant. Do you have any questions before I keep going? No, no. I mean, this is pretty clear. It's it's fairly fascinating. Um, it, it it makes sense when you show me this. Now thinking about it, now thinking about how this may have all came about before pre Christianity. Um, it just makes me think of all the similarities in the other religions, like the stories of Osiris or the Norse uh, version of Odin and how they're all so similar to the story of Jesus is because maybe they were all sort of following the same astro were, astrological they sequence. Telling, they were all telling the same story. Yeah. They were all telling the exact same story. Every religion tells the exact same story. The names change. But the information doesn't. I mean, you have Horus, birthday is the 25th, had 12 disciples, dead for three days. Uh, Mithra, uh, Tammuz. Uh, I mean, I can go on. I'm sure you can name a couple of the gods, too. Probably not. <laughs> but the ones that, that came to mind for me, for me were like like Odin, Osiris. Um, um What's the other one? Maybe Marduk. Marduk's one, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to keep going. So we can start. Um, look at this picture on the left of Jesus. This is your standard representation of him. The sun is always behind Jesus because he represents the sun. If you look at hieroglyphs of Horus, of Osiris and everything, the sun is always behind them. Yes. They represent the sun in the same way as this. The sun is always behind Jesus. The two fingers up like this are an ancient comedic peace sign. That's an ancient Egyptian peace sign that was handed down. This is the British victory sign, the uh -huh. V. Okay, this is a war sign. This is actually the peace sign. The fingers are together. It's connected. The white Jesus picture is actually a guy named Caesar Borgia, who is the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. And before then, there was no picture of him. And it was decided by his father, the Pope, and yes, popes used to have children, that his picture would be the face of. Then you have the crown of thorns, which is wrapped around the heart. That represents the sun rays. Okay, the rays of the sun. Jesus had was crucified with a crown of thorns. Mm -hmm. That's the rays of the sun. And then the heart outside the body, you always see the heart outside the body on pictures of Jesus. That represents the heart's toroidal field. Each heart in a human being has a six-foot electromagnetic gradient. Uh, some people call it an aura. Mm -hmm. Okay? That goes out six feet. That's why everybody in the elites, so to speak, are trying to keep everyone six feet apart. It's so that you can't interact with one another. Hmm. So if we start decoding um, phrases in the Bible using the information that I've told you so far okay. about the 12 signs, you see the Proverbs 16, 18 is pride comes before the fall. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay. Can you explain it to your listeners, what you, what, what you take it to mean? Well, what I take it to mean is um, when, when we get too full of ourselves, that means that we're getting ready to, you know, 
to have a calamity happen. Kind of like the fall of Rome, for instance. They got all cocky and let their guard down, and, and then that was it. Right. That's what it is. But astrotheologically, a group of lions is called a pride. Pride is the lion. The lion is Leo. Leo is in July and August. That comes before the season of the fall. Okay. So... If I read from Micah, mm -hmm. but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. However, Bethlehem is two words in Hebrew, bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So it's the house of bread. Well, we spoke about the house of bread before. That was Virgo, the virgin with the right. wheat stalk. So they said the savior will come from Bethlehem, the house of bread. So the Savior will come from Virgo, the virgin. All right, so Mary was the virgin. Mm hmm Got it. So based on, based on what I told you to look for in the 12 signs, I want to see if you can see a bunch of signs in this, op in this passage, just openly talking about it, okay? Uh. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. Mm -hmm. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. All right, so this is the story that you just told me. Stripped down the one paragraph. Yeah, that's just right in the Bible. It's openly talking about it. Yeah, it has all, all the signs, the times, the wheat, the grapes. Wow. The bull, the lambs, the goats. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah, you could be on to something. In Revelation 4-7, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. More astrology. In astrology, the Scorpio scorpion is the belly crawling creature, the lowest form of life on earth. Its evolved form is the eagle, and the eagle's evolved form is the phoenix. So the eagle equals Scorpio. So Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio are the four fixed signs of the zodiac. In astrology, you have things called fixed signs, mutable signs, cardinal signs. Yes. Okay. These are the four fixed signs. They form an X through the cross of the solstices and the equinox. Okay. The solstices and the equinox form a cross through the zodiac wheel. That's the cross of God's son that he lives on. Okay. Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was about, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. A woman clothed with the sun is the sun metaphorically in Virgo. It's clothed in Virgo. If the sun's in Virgo, so if the sun is up, then the moon would be under it. Because when the moon is up, the sun is down. Right. Okay. Another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The constellation Draco is the dragon. Its tail goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is four twelfths of the sign or one third of the stars out of the sky. 
So these are all just metaphors that they're talking about. This is crazy, man. So I've given examples of astrotheology in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. I've been accused of cherry-picking verses from the Bible to prove a point. So let's take a much longer passage and see if we can decode it as well. <laughs> like you'd be the first person to be cherry-picking things out of the Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is the story of Job. Are you familiar with the story of Job? Yeah, he uh, he was tested. Right. How was he tested, though? I don't know all the details, but I know it's just all kinds of crazy stuff that God was asking of him. Right. So basically, at one point, he cries out to God to answer him, and God answers him. I'm going to read you God's response. Job 38, 32, he says, Can you lead forth the Maseroth? The Maseroth literally means the Zodiac. Okay, over time it becomes Mazalot, which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov, or good fortune from the stars. So the Lord's challenge to Job, he says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear, and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Then he says, who can tip over the water jars of heavens? That's Aquarius. Do you hunt for the prey? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food from the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Mriga, meaning deer, is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Celis borealis, which means donkey and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. Mm-hmm. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al-Thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. That's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Finally, he says, can you pull in Levethian with a fish hook? That's Pisces, the fish god. So that's his entire response to Job. And all it is is asking, do you know where the stars are? And then he's encoding it. Where are these stars located? Where are these constellations located? I'm starting to see a pattern here. So so how many times does this kind of repeat itself in the Bible? Uh, throughout the whole thing. Wow. And, no, the whole it, 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 and nobody's caught on to it? Um, not this way, no. Hmm. Interesting. All right, keep going. So how was Jesus able to heal the blind? Hold on. How was Jesus able to heal the blind? How he walked on water? 
how he turned water into wine. Why? Okay, all these questions. How Jesus was able to heal the blind. Well, if you're talking about him being a real person, when the blind man came up to him, he put his fingers on the blind man's eyes and suddenly he could see. However, if it's the sun, like it's supposed to be, then when it's dark, when the sun goes down, but then suddenly the sun comes up and it metaphorically touches your eyes and suddenly you have sight again, you can see again. Uh, how he walked on water, you can see a sunset on a lake and you can see how the sun walks on water, how he turned water into wine. So the reason that God is a man and earth is a woman, mother earth, is because of God's sacred fluid, his reign. In Hebrew, it's called shemen. And we get the word semen from that. And God's sacred fluid comes on comes down on earth and impregnates Mother Earth. And then from her belly, everything grows. All the food, all the everything grows. So basically, you have April showers, bring May flowers and Taurus. And then what happens is that's when you plant. And then it rains and it rains and it rains. And then finally in Libra, you pick the grapes and you make the wine. That's how you turn the water into wine. Why he had 12 disciples, each one of them represents one of the zodiac signs. I already told you Judas was Scorpio. That's why he was betrayed with a kiss from Judas. We went over that. Why he was dead for three days, we went over that. Why his birthday's on December 25th, we went over that. Got it. So that's basically what I have. Wow. So what's what does this all mean? Like, um, is is this what the church has been trying to hide? That's the idea. Yeah. Is this what they're afraid of getting out? I mean, you know, I, I live in the Bible Belt, and if they were to uh, <laughs> hear this explanation of the Bible. They would freak. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it would be really, but yeah, it, it makes perfect sense because it is like an age-old story. It's not just found in the Bible, and the symbols and the numbers match up. Mm-hmm. So, how did you find this? Um, there are some people that are out there that talk about astrotheology. But they don't really go into it in the way that I do. So there are definitely people out there that talk about it. But a lot of the stuff, like 95% of that presentation was just my decoding. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it just is what it is, basically. You know, this the, the information is hard to argue. So with this code, can you tell when the uh, end of the world is going to happen? I don't believe that's what it does, no. It's more of a farmer's almanac, if anything. Okay. Interesting. So so it has no predictive value that like they predict things? I don't believe so, no. No. Does it add any new information to the book of Revelations? Well, I read you two verses from yeah. Revelation. Yeah. The same stuff. So Revelations is just another astrological it's- code. Yeah, all the books are. Interesting. That's wild, man. That's totally crazy. Uh, it just blew me. Up. I was not expecting this when I came on to this interview. 
<laughs> you know, I, I've always been a proponent of um, the twin Jesus theory. Like, I always figured if there was a Jesus, that he had a twin brother, and Judas was the twin brother, and Judas felt bad for betraying Jesus and took Jesus' place on the cross, and Jesus escaped. Well, the twins would be Gemini. Right. Gemini is the twins. Mm-hmm. So that so even that story fits into your code. Um, I, I don't know where that story would be. I, I've never heard of that interpretation. No, it came from. I believe it came from the Book of Thomas from Dead Sea Scrolls. If that's the case, I mean the Book of Thomas. I mean I've done the Book of Enoch this way. I've gone through a bunch of the books before, and they all, any Bible related book. Mm-hmm can all be decoded this way. Wow. In the book of Enoch, so is it, is it, oh, what is, is the book of Enoch like a angelic hierarchy? It's something to that effect, yeah, but it's just astrotheology too. Okay. Um, so what do we do with this information, man? You just, you realize that it's not divine. The book is not divine. It's just, it was just encoded, written by people. Uh-huh. So there's no like retribution or divine punishment awaiting anybody. You don't have to live your life in fear of God. Okay. That's not how it works. How about like the, um, like the 10 commandments, 10 commandments in the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the 10 commandments come from the Egyptian book of the dead. Chapter okay. 125. It's known as the 12 negative confessions. That's where it was lifted from. So it's ancient. It's, it's, it's older than that. And three of the Ten Commandments are, are God talking about you'll have no other God but me. Yeah. Right? Right. So there's no other God. He's telling you not to worship any other God. So by his account, there are other gods. So there's more than one God. That's what it would suggest. Or if it's just an astrology book. Could it mean there's no God? This doesn't really, um, it doesn't really go against the idea of a creator. Just more in line that this book is not from the creator. Right. You know, I was just started, um, one of my guests who has been on my show before, Jim Willis, he sent me a copy a copy of his new book called God Uncensored. And in the first chapter, he, 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 put, he comes out with this question. The first question in the book that he tries to answer is, who wrote the Bible? <laughs> and, and like nobody really knows. I mean, it's, it's been written by, by tons of different people. And, and it's a mix. Uh, it's a lot of different scrolls all put together into one book by various different councils mm-hmm. you know until we came up with, with the version that we have today and then even with the version that we have today he talks about how um you could quote something from the bible and one person would actually call it a heresy even though it's actually still in the bible but you're not supposed to be saying it right so um 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, do, do you have any ideas on who is behind this? I have no clue as to who wrote this. I have no clue. I All I can do is just tell you is, is that each book can be decoded with astrology. And then if you read the Roman Catholic Catechism 2116, it tells you that astrology is not something that you should play with, that you, that, that, that you will worship to God alone. And you should not be messing with astrology. So that is that that kind of ex, I guess explains why like throughout the entire Bible people are using magic and the occult and premonitions and psychic visions and then they say don't do this. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So so you yourself um like, like, what are your personal beliefs? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in mysticism? Do you believe in magic or the occult? I, I believe in a creator. I just don't presume to understand something that can create such a enormous the universe. Mm-hmm. Maybe 11, 12 other dimensions and expect to understand it. Right. All I could do is tell you on earth the thing that people worship, the holy books. Um, well, they're just astrology books. Yeah, right. I mean, it definitely wipes out three three religions in one shot. You've wiped out Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, how about some of the other religions, though, like Taoism? Does it affect those? I have not looked into it. I have not looked into it. Buddhism? I haven't looked into any of those. I've just kind of stuck with this major thing. Okay. Interesting. Um, so how does this apply to the books that you've written? What do you mean? Um, my books are basically thrillers that um, the characters discover this. Okay. Information, and I put all my information, all the decodings in these books. Okay, so so it's kind of like the Da Vinci Code, but with astrology. That's exactly what it is. And what are the characters like? Like, like who's the main they're character? They're wild. They're young. They're brilliant. They all come together to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Do they know what they're getting themselves into? Uh no. Is there a villain? There are many villains. They're basically like like National Treasure and Da Vinci Code got together. So there's a treasure? No, it's just basically they they go through this. I can't explain it. It's just, there's a lot of esoteric sciences in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what they do is they go through everything and they basically end up decoding the kind of stuff that I'm telling you now. Hmm. So 
Where does Vatican fall within this story? The Vatican's are Vatican's in the first two books. I talk about the Vatican and their secrets. All right. How about the Templars? That's book three. So you do have book. What role do the Templars play? Because it seems like the Templars. It, it, it seems like the Templars in real life, though, were sort of being persecuted for bringing some of this to to light. You know, like virgin worship and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, Friday the 13th, October 13th, yeah. 13th that's, that's why we have a Friday the 13th. It's because that's when they were all destroyed. My, my, me including them, it's a fictionalized account of them. But their names, their titles, and things that they go through, their rituals that I write in the books are real. Cool. Uh, do you have anything in there about the Mayans? No. Aztecs? Um, Mostly just conspiracies, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned earlier before, uh, at the beginning of the show was uh, about the six feet thing that they're trying to do with us now so we mm-hmm. don't get too close to each other um, because of our auras. Right. Why did he, what, where's the threat? Like, how's that, like, how is it like we've been able to be close to each other? When you're within six feet of another person, your hearts are, uh, your auras are communicating with one another. Uh Okay. That's measurable. Okay. And keeping you six feet apart isolates you. It keeps you in a state of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Okay. The apartness, the keeping apart, that keeps you in a state of anxiety. And that's what they want to perpetrate right now. Is there a reason why? Um, It's just... They sell you the problem and they sell you the solution. Is what it is. They tell you mask up, stay six feet apart. I mean, you... It's just what they do. Has any of this been... uh created by aliens um that's something i i believe they've had i believe they've had something to do with us on earth i do um but exactly what i'm not sure how about with with what's happening now do you think they have a bad agenda for us into working with the government? Does who? The aliens. Um, I mean, that's a theory that a lot of people have. I don't know if I've seen much evidence to that. Mm-hmm. Um, how about time travel? Uh... So I write about that in a sense, in a way. Um, there are these particles called tachyons, or they're actually hypothetical particles that haven't been found yet, but that we assume exist. And they actually go faster than the speed of light. Right. Now, you can't accelerate to the speed of light because your mass would become infinite. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but these particles start off faster than the speed of light. 
And you'll find that when they go faster than the speed of light, the faster they go, it kind of has a, a, a rubber band reverse reaction. Like the faster you go, the easier it is. Yeah. And the faster you go, time goes backwards. Cool. So, I mean, one of the reasons that I think too is if, if we're using this story from astrology and we're getting our information from the stars, essentially this story is actually being told to us from the past. Correct. Is that also included in there? Have you ever considered that? No, I have. Absolutely. I don't remember if I've included it. I've written six books and I've, they've all been written for at least two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just coming out every three months now. Four of them are out already. I mean, I'm on Twitter or Facebook at Micah Dank, and I do sell autographed copies of them, but you can get into the rabbit hole on Amazon for right. sure. That's cool. So, so how much is the autographed uh, copy of the book? So I charge $20 a book, and um, I have four of them that are out. Mm-hmm. You you know, and, and then shipping is whatever, like 10 bucks. You know, it's, it's an envelope plus shipping, so I say 10 bucks or so. Awesome. Uh, who's it published by? Did you publish it yourself? or? No, no, I have a, I have a book deal. Cool. Um, how about what do you think reality is? It, like, like with all the astrology, the, the bigger the universe gets, mm-hmm. the more I think it's a hologram. You think it's a, you go with the holographic universe theory? Yeah. So, so you think it's mostly just information? It's not actual matter. Well, you know how in a black hole, information is both spread on the top of it and in it? Yes. Right. It's like the same thing, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like we exist here, but our information is spread across. Like we only have 1% of auditory capabilities of hearing sounds. We only have like 1% of the visual spectrum. We don't know what reality is here. I mean, to a dog, they can hear things that we can't. Right. You know, so reality is different for for everyone. Everything reality is subjective. But just the main points of people um like getting together as I guess to come up with things, uh ideas and definitions for like colors and, and this, that, and the other thing. Um we we just we really don't know. We're kind of limited in a bubble. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> must be important yeah <laughs> yeah I, I totally agree that we have we as human beings we're totally clueless to what's going on uh, we don't have the the senses or, or the intelligence to figure it all out no um but I do think the idea that, I mean, just the idea that, that most matter seems to be pretty empty anyway. It's mm-hmm. just vibrating. Um, well, that's, that's string theory that explains that. But go back 5,000 years, pick up a book called The Quantum Hermetica or, or read about yeah. Hoth or mm-hmm. Hermes Trismegistus. They, they said the same thing. He said the, th- the third principle was the principle of vibration. Like we yeah. knew this shit 5,000 years ago. 
I know. <laughs> I've actually done an episode on it. Um, if we knew that, how do you think we knew that? How do you think we knew 5,000 years ago? There's a, thing, there's a thing in society called chronological ethnocentrism. Okay, it's in social field theory. Mm-hmm. And what it says is that we're the furthest along time-wise, so we're the smartest. And that's just not true. Okay, that is just not true. The ancients knew things that we didn't. Okay, and that we're always starting to figure out. One of them is like acoustic levitation. Yeah. You can use sound waves to lift things up like tinker toys. Uh-huh. A lot of people say that's how the pyramids were made. Well, you can YouTube videos right now of people just figuring it out. They have like flat rocks that, that are on like a, a sound wave board. Mm-hmm. And they pump all these, and then it just floats. Yeah. There's in floats. You can, you can YouTube this stuff. Yeah. Actually, uh, the, my binor- binaural producer, Damien Keller, has done it. He, he, he's great with that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's things that we have no clue. They talk about, um, they talk about tuning forks mm-hmm. being invented 150 years ago, or that's what Wikipedia says. That's not true. Look at the hieroglyphs. They're holding the tuning forks in their hands. And the interesting thing too is, is that if you have a block of limestone, okay, like the pyramids do or, or the Sphinx or something of that nature, and you were to put a tuning fork on, you ever see those perfect circles that are bored into stone? Yeah. And like, how did the ancients do that? You took a tuning fork, you matched the vibrational frequency uh-huh. of it to the stone. And then you, you you tap it on the stone and it'll cut through it like butter. So it's almost they, like somatics. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They had mastered this. What did they, what did they build? What do you think they built the Great Pyramid for? What well, was it? I, I don't want to give away what I think they are because that's kind of that's the answer to book two. <laughs> My book two is talking about how the capstones were removed and what happens when they're replaced. Uh-huh. Okay. That's kind of what I talk about. But um I just I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I can't answer this without giving it away. All right. So one of my guests, Heath has a theory that it was a big pump. Okay, I'm listening. And, and it was really hard for me to understand it, but like water came in, filled one chamber, it created pressure. The pressure goes into another chamber, basically creates a hydrogen gas that ignites and creates more combustion, and then it just becomes like a continuous pump, a free I don't know anything of, about that, but a I free source that. of energy. I do know there was a story that came out about a guy that built a pyramid in his backyard. He, he was a farmer and he had some land. So he built a pyramid out of limestone, a mini version of the pyramids. And what he did was he found that his vegetation grew four times as fast in the pyramid than it did outside of it. Hmm. So there is something to these pyramids. They have purposes. They're not just tink. They're not just blocks for no reason. I mean, you want to talk about astrotheology? The uh, Orion's belt matches up perfectly with the three uh, the pyramids in Egypt. Uh huh. Okay, they did it for that. How about the Nazca lines? I don't know too much about that, to be honest. You know, the, I always think like there's. That's another mystery, I'm, but I guess my guess is when I look at them that there has to be some something to do with astrology there too. 
astrology, as I showed you in my presentation, is the oldest science mm -hmm. that we can prove. I've traced it back 40,000 years to the Lascaux Caves. It's undoubtedly older than that. The question is, why has the Zodiac always been the same? I mean, it changed a little bit in the Egyptian times. Um, the crab used to be the scarab, the beetle. Right. And the uh, lion, the Leo, used to be the sphinx. Okay. But aside from that, it's, re it's retained mostly the exact same thing. So 40,000 years ago, why were these stars? Why did this make a man? Why did this make a fish? Why did this make a ram? I mean, Scorpio looks like a scorpion. I get that. The Big Dipper looks like a pan. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Orion actually looks like a soldier. Yeah. That's, but a lot of these stars, th these constellations, they don't look like anything. They don't. So why is it the same story being passed down? And I think it was given to us. By who? Aliens? Yeah. I do. A hundred percent. I think it was given to us. We have such a monumentally large growth in human consciousness from seemingly out of nowhere. Self-awareness, okay? Being able to recognize oneself, understand your place in the world. Mm -hmm. That nothing else that we know has here. Like maybe dolphins, if you've ever seen what their brain looks like. Yeah, or maybe yeah. octopus too. Octopus too, but a lot of people, there's articles all the time where they say that octopus are from other dimensions. Yeah. But um, we have all these different, uh, we have this jumping consciousness. And the interesting thing too, is if you're, if you're ever not busy, look up chromosome two. Uh, it's interesting because the second chromosome in the human genome, is 35% larger than the most, than most, than the other ones. Okay. okay. And you know how it's kind of like shoehorn shaped. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's fused in the middle. Chromosome two has been fused. Like it had been welded shut by like a master alchemist and the book of Enoch. They talk about that. Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting. Another one that I had heard was that uh, Jacob's ladder is actually a DNA strand. He was describing DNA. Well, to me, Jacob's ladder is uh, the spinal column. Okay, so maybe it has something to do with like Kundalini. Yes. And rising the energy and the chakras and things like that. Or could it just be both? I I mean, like in the world of sacred geometry, you know, a lot of things will have multiple meanings. Have you dived into sacred geometry geometry at all? I read a book called The Flower of Life by Junbalo Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have heard of it, yes. You should get it. Because he talks about sacred geometry, sacred shapes. Mm -hmm. And he talks about one theory was the Anunnaki coming down and enslaving us to mine gold for their atmosphere. It's like a Zach Zachariah Stitchin type of theory. Yeah. I, I don't know if they, want to, if they would do that. I mean, one, I would think, I mean, gold comes from a star. So why wouldn't they just be able to, I mean, if they have the technology to get, get here from somewhere else, I would think that maybe aliens would be able to make their own gold. You, you would, but let me ask you a question. Why do something if you can have someone else do it? Lazy. <laughs> They're lazy aliens hanging out smoking weed while everybody else is mining gold. Why should they be any different? Why Why do they have to be hyper-intelligent and, and not have uh, 
at what we call earthly desires. Right. I mean, in the Book of Enoch, they talk about the giants mating with men's men's mm -hmm. daughters. You know, they clearly had urges. <laughs> right. What's the giants? Do you think like the Paracas skulls are evidence of the giants? I, see, I haven't really gotten into that. No. I haven't really gotten into that, but I do think uh, they can't keep suppressing these giant fossils they keep finding. They just can't. How about Bigfoot? You think Bigfoot could be a remnant of the giants? I don't think Bigfoot's real. I just don't. You don't? No, I just don't. I, I don't think it's impossible. But if I were to put my money on it, I don't think it's real. I don't think Nessie's real either. I mean, I don't think Nessie's real. But, uh, I mean, I'm definitely, I definitely believe that, that Bigfoots are real. I just think that they're not what we think. I don't think they're cryptid. I think they're probably multidimensional. Gotcha. And they probably have some really good cloaking technology that the government wants, so the government keeps them a secret also. Possibly. Yeah. Let's yeah. So should I tell people um where to find me? Yeah, absolutely. As we're winding down. <laughs> I um I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Micah Dank. If you go to Facebook, I run a group called Micah Dank into the rabbit hole. You can join it. I post a lot of my interviews there and a lot of stuff I'm working on and process and progress right now mm -hmm. uh, of what, what's going on with the books. We're trying to get it made into a, a TV series right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, early progress mm -hmm. on that, but we're working on that. And um, yeah, I mean, Amazon into the rabbit hole. Or reach out to me on these platforms if you want signed copies. I'll send them to you. All right. And uh, just send me the link to your website. And I'll also send, I'll post a link on your am, to the Amazon so my listeners can purchase your books um, by going to the notes of this episode. Right. So what did you think of the presentation? You said you weren't ready for it and you didn't expect it at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, it blew my freaking mind, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean... You know, I got I, I got I get up at four thirty in the morning. I go to work. I come home. I eat a big old dinner, and I'm kind of like, Ugh. and then you hit me with this presentation. I'm like, <laughs> like what the hell just happened to me? <laughs> I mean, if you enjoyed this, we can we can. You have my personal info now, right? So you can shoot me an email. We can yeah. set up a new date in maybe like April or May. Uh -huh. Like the Book of Enoch, and I can show you how it's the same thing. Yeah, I would love that because I'm really I like those the books that weren't put in the Bible. I'm so interested in like the Dead Sea Scrolls and all the stuff that was left out. Well, the Book of Enoch was in the Bible until I believe 1684. Yeah, they took. Oh, it no, out. no, maybe it was the Council of Nicaea. It was one of the two. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> But but yeah, I, I love that stuff that the, was removed or never added. Yeah, you know because I I think those are the ones where we can really learn from. Yeah, and if you know how to read them, otherwise and, you can lose your mind. Right, but it's also very possible. I think that you have this have you have a key. You've created a key to go into the lock to actually truly understanding what the Bible. Well, I wouldn't is. say I created it. I have learned from other people. Right. I, have come up with my own stuff and as far as the six book series i'm the only one who's doing it this way i'm trying to mainstream this that's why i wrote mm -hmm. fiction book. 
Well, you've assembled it in a way that's easily understood. Right. I mean, that wasn't a complicated presentation, right? Not at all. No, if I can understand it, anybody can understand it. I'm not <laughs> the smartest guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating. It's great work. Thank you. You know? I appreciate that. Do you ever have a, before we wrap it up, do you have a plan of writing a nonfiction book with this information? No, no I, I initially wanted to, and then I realized that people, are just, it's just going to be another book lost. The way I was, the way I reveal this information is perfect mm -hmm. because it's got mainstream crossover appeal and people, when you read a fiction story, you automatically buy into the narrative of the story in order so that you, I mean, you have to, otherwise, if you don't, you, know, you can't read the book, you know, you get engrossed in the world. Uh -huh. And that's what I've done is I've created a universe with these characters who basically discover this information. How long did it take you to write this series? My first book I wrote in 2013. And it took me three or four years to get an agent. Mm -hmm. And then it took me another two or two years or so to get a book deal. Basically, I was down to like the last three publishers. And if they said no, I was, I was going to have to start from scratch. Uh -huh. One of them finally gave me a chance and my agent convinced them to take the six book deal and then to, to give me a six book deal and to, I don't know why she did this, but basically they're coming out every three months, but luckily they're all written. So I wrote the first one and then I wrote the, I would say I wrote the last five in the last three, four years. So you're basically were writing one book a year. Oh, more than that. Wow. And how long is each one? How many pages? 250, 260. They're not that long. Still they're not that long, but they're so deep with information and conspiracies and all sorts of stuff. Did you ever lose track <laughs> while writing of who was doing what? No, no, never had that problem. Really? I can see the characters, yeah. That's awesome. Anytime I try to write fiction, I start losing track of like which characters are doing what. No, I've never had that problem. Wow. That's crazy. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I can only write nonfiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, this was fascinating. And um, yeah, I would definitely love to have you back to go over the Book of Enoch or maybe some other Send books. Me a if message. Like we'll to. do something in April or May. Uh, my, my calendar is very, I've, I've done since June, I've done maybe 85 podcasts. Yeah. I, I saw you, heard you on a tinfoil hat. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought my, uh, my publicist reached out to you. Did she did, yeah. Oh, she did? Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, the tinfoil hat was good. I was on Union of the Unwanted too. Mm -hmm. In fact, I just posted about it on Twitter that um David Icke posted our Union of the Unwanted chat. Oh, that's great. Phone. That's a good one. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, man. Well, thank you for being on. And uh, just before we wrap it up, I'm just going to play the outro. So just hang on one second. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.